On front page with me this morning is Terrence Fernandez, veteran journalist and columnist for The Star. Good morning. Good morning, Terrence. And Prabhaganesan, chief executive at Kwasa and columnist at Malay Mail. Morning, morning. Good morning to you too. <laughs> now, it looks like Najib says that Putrajaya's math for the 2030 GDP target is all wrong. Is it? Did you have a look at it? Apparently, it is wrong. So, therefore, it's left to the government to rectify it and say that they might may have made a mistake in the right. calculation. Okay. Now, according to the Shared Prosperity Vision 2030, the target will be hit if the country's GDP grows at an average growth of 4.7% annually from 20. 2021 to 2030. 2030. But, you know, Najib said, mm, that doesn't look quite right. You know, I w- would give this one to Najib Razak. Yeah. Because Pakatan Harapan seems to keep getting surprised by the level of our finances. And uh, Dr. Sri Najib's math was uh, confirmed by the Institute of Economic Research. They also sp- spelled out that you would have to grow between 6 to 8% to hit the 2030 uh, target. And, and, and if you look at what Pakatan Harapan is envisioning, I think it's quite ambitious. Lah. Mm-hmm. 7.8, is it? 7, 7.36. 7.36, yeah. yeah. 7.36 is quite ambitious. And for an economy that is quite sluggish, I mean, according to the economists that I spoke mm-hmm. to, and I'm not an economist myself, 4.1 to 4.5 would be a more realistic right. target. So I think Jibi's got it right this time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it to him. 1.4 Jibi, <laughs> as you said. Um, growing GDP at, you know, 7.36% annually. I mean, how sustainable is that? Obviously, it's high. Yeah, um, it's quite high, isn't but it? But the issue is, I mean, there are two issues here, right? It's one, whether or not the projection's high to begin with. The second one is whether the government's been wrong about it and whether they're willing to look weak if they want to say, yeah, we kind of messed that one up. But speaking about the economy per se, I think maybe we need to move forward in in terms of moving away from a very central planning and more to letting Malaysians drive the economy. I think the old Mahaderism in which government knows best may need to take a step back in the new Malaysia. Right. So how can Malaysians mm -hmm. drive the economy, Prabha? First of all, I mean, that sounds like a very difficult question, but the point is there are 30 million Malaysians out there who have their own ideas. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what each ideas are, but government's job is to facilitate, to help any possible sector to ready itself and be able to compete. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to pick favorites, but it has to make sure that it gives everyone a fair chance to compete in the Malaysian economy right. to excel. I think the key word here is everyone a fair chance. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, exactly what Prabha said, you know, the government's role is to facilitate, not participate <laughs> in business. You know, let the Malaysians, Malaysians drive the economy. And, uh, you know, and, and if you look at the sectors that need to be, foc- we need to focus on like services sector, agri- agriculture, manufacturing, of course. So these key factors are the ones that are contributing you know, over 50% of the economy. But they are, they are highly dependent on the government doing its job to ensure that there is a conducive environment for these sectors to grow. And at the moment, in terms of FDI, for instance, we are the lowest in 2018 in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. So that is where the government has to come in to see how it can help in stimulating these, these, these sectors, among others. All right. When we come back, we'll take a look at a certain uh, Pakatan Harpan promise, or was it never a promise to begin with? This is about abolishing tolls. That's next after Kelly Clarkson, because of you on light. 
on front page this morning, propagandist and columnist at the Malay Mail and Terence Fernandez, columnist at the Star. Hello. It looks like Pakatan um, Harpa never promised to abolish the toll, says our Prime Minister. He said, you know, many people even within the coalition did not read the PH manifesto thoroughly. My question is, I think I, pre- I read it pretty thoroughly. How will statements like this affect public trust? To be fair to Pakatan Harapan, the manifesto did say with the ultimate aim of abolishing tools. Right, so it's wordplay. It's wordplay. It's not abolishing tools now, but abolish tools eventually. That's why they are, you know, they move towards buying up the toll concessions and you know, mm-hmm. and putting some putting some up for sale. Of course, plus is not plus is not for sale, as Dato Sharil said yesterday. But yeah, the manifesto may say something, but on the campaign trail, mm-hmm. the candidates including some of those who are in cabinet today, did play the abolishing tools card. That's right. And that's what people remember. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you look at it, if you look, if you read the manifesto, it says something else. Right. Yeah. How convenient. Well, Terence is spot on, really, about that mm-hmm. because in the last even fifteen years, tolls have always been a vote base for Pakatan, even before when it was Pakatan Rakyat. Mm. Politicians from you know Anthony Loke to Tony Pua to Lim Guaning himself, they've always said tolls have to go. But more importantly. For the longest time, they have said that decisions on these tolls, these concessioners, have been done in private and they've been classified at OSA. Mm. And they've always said, if the information about these agreements were made to the Malaysian public, we could make better determination. However, now what's happening is they want to be in that room having the discussion and they still want to keep the Malaysian public out of the room. So that seems a little bit disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Hypocritical. Because when they were in the po- op- opposition, they were calling for the declassification of concession agreements. Yeah. So now that the f- shoe's on the other foot, it's a totally <laughs> different uh, s- scenario that they are painting. Okay, well, hopefully someone's <laughs> listening to your <laughs> remarks this Sorry morning. Sorry for my interruption. <laughs> sure. But more to the point, and, and along no. the same lines, is that there's no issue of abolishing tolls mm. as much as compensating these mm. concessioners. Mm. So mm. it's about a win-win between mm. these companies and the government. And one would say, is that the best way to spend the money? Mm-hmm. Is it putting more money in the in the pockets of concessioners or also putting more money into petrol subsidies? Or rather look in the other direction as people are driving to work today to improve public transportation. Yeah. Where's the investment there? Mm. Where's the thinking that we can reduce the burden for the everyday Malaysian by making public transportation the number one choice for the public. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, you know, in the same press conference, I think, he, uh, Tun, said that Pakatan Harapan had achieved some 60% of what was promised. Have they, do you feel they've achieved 60%? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where these numbers are coming from. Okay, yes, uh, yes, Prabha? Yes. Well, there are trackers like Pakatan Tracker and also Open Promises and even my organization, Kwasa, we <laughs> try to look at promises. The interesting thing about promises are that it's unfair to look after a year in operation for this government. But having said that, I don't think the Prime Minister or any Mahade administration ever given itself a C grade ever. So right. I don't think it's very surprising. Right. <laughs> well, coming up, the Human Resources Ministry plans to suggest some changes to maternity leave. That's what we'll take a look at next. Right after the traffic update and 4pm, Sukiyaki next on Light. 
And on front page this morning, Terence Fernandez and Prabhaganesan and the yeah. government is looking uh, to suggest changes to employment laws. This is the Human Resources Ministry specifically mm. that includes uh, increasing private sector maternity leave from 60 days to 98 days and introducing three days paternity leave. I think this is a great move by the government, but how would it affect smaller companies? Bravo? Well, it's populist. I'm mixed about it because sometimes government wants to get ahead of industries and then hopes that industries keep we'll up, up or yeah. or agree to it. I believe that other than trying to get the votes of half of Malaysia women, I think the issue is about, if you ask everyday Malaysians, they would rather have more money in their pockets. So it's about wage. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to force populist policies, which is nice and it's hard to disagree with, but it's a question of whether or not industry can cope with it. Because it might yeah. lead to industry not wanting to hire women mm-hmm. because they think that they're going to take longer mm-hmm. maternity leaves, especially younger women. And then, then you have other issues like discriminatory issues that come mm. up. But like you mentioned, you know, smaller companies, can they cope? If you look at the best practices of other countries, Singapore, uh, Scandinavian countries, mm-hmm. where which not only give up to 100 days, of maternity leave I think the UK is 112 days maternity leave and uh, up to three months for unpaid leave par- for fathers paternity, oh, wow. paternity leave and if you look at uh, Singapore for instance where the both parents can actually share leave maternity leave is 16 weeks mm-hmm. and paternity leave is two weeks if I'm not mistaken but the father and the mother can share their leave so the so the the dad can take four weeks off from the mother 16 weeks mm-hmm. but all that is subsidized by the government right so to your question whether the small companies can cope and the Malaysian Employees Federation have also said the same thing they want to support it but they can't afford it because mm-hmm. They are losing at an, at about 157 million a day in uh, extended maternity and paternity leave in Malaysia. So they are appealing to the government to help to subsidize, especially the, right. the, the, the smaller companies. Will the government do this, do you think? Can and want to and also continue to say they will are all three different things. For all these examples Terence talked about, all the Scandinavian countries and Western countries, the welfare of workers is not just covered per se mm. just for maternity leave and paternity yeah. leave there's a whole package whole mm. gamut of things that need to be covered so as much as this is as populist and I'm a bit critical of it mm-hmm. I think the overall benefits for workers has to be improved and I think maybe this is a good time to talk about whether or not we need to give more powers to unions and allow people to have collective bargaining powers yeah, can I just add to what Prabha was mentioning whether we have the money or not should look at SOXO for instance I mean they're collecting billions uh, every year but how much is being dispensed out yeah you know and now they're going to property development I, I don't understand uh, what SOXO is doing with all the money that they are, that they are collecting I, I have experienced many people coming to us as media practitioners to assist in making in helping them make SOXO claims you know they're on a wheelchair they have a heart attack du- during during a lecture but they can't get their claims you know the family is left in the lurch and SOXO continues to collect where's his money going now they're right. going to property development so maybe if we can look at this area sure. of where the funds can be derived from mm-hmm. then maybe we can do some Thing for parents in the work in the workplace, yeah. All right. When we come back, we'll take a look at uh, new taxes that won't burden the rakyat. Is this a fairy tale dream? Well, we'll see what mm. our panelists think about this next. After Idina Menzel, let it go on light. 
on Front Page. With me this morning, veteran journalist and columnist with the Star, Terence Fernandez, and chief executive at Kwasa and columnist at the Malay Mail, Prabha Ganesan. Now, the government is looking to improve the current taxation system to ensure better efficiency, though the Prime Minister stressed that any new taxes introduced will not be burdensome to the rakyat, and we all know it gets passed on to us in some way, shape, or form. So, with respect, what taxes won't burden the rakyat, la, Prabha? Every politician since the start of time, uh, at least the start of ta- taxation, would say taxes don't burden, but taxes, but taxes by definition are burdens, irrespective whether they're consumption taxes, like the old GST, now the SST, or in taxes of income tax or corporate tax. All taxes are burdens. However, in this situation, I think the government has been intimating for a while that they need to collect more taxes. I think it's come to a time where our over-reliance on oil and other resources to power the country forward mm-hmm. is ending. And maybe the time has come where Malaysians have to pay th- for their own bill. Okay, your thoughts, Terence? I guess maybe reduce, reduce subsidies to begin with. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, instead of talking about collecting more taxes, maybe they should talk about a more efficient way of collecting taxes. The GST's introduction during the last administration was for that. If you look at some of the, the reports from one of the big four accounting firms, the majority of taxes that go uncollected, I think about 44%, is personal income tax. Right. It's a lot of tax avoidance that is being practiced mm-hmm. which is legal you know as opposed to tax evasion but there must be a way to, to go about it to address right. ta- tax uh, tax avoidance and instead of focusing on the uh, man in the street people like the three of us sitting in the studio yes, here exactly. you know <laughs> go after those who are Park their monies overseas, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, to be fair, uh, finance ministry and customs are looking at ways of bringing back money that's, that, that's, that's overseas now. Also, look at ways and means to not say penalize, but uh, maybe give grace periods, give give a, give a window for, like which which they did, yeah. which expired on September thirtieth, to get get people to. Come to, in, yeah, to come, come in forth. and and pay voluntarily, up, voluntarily declare, yeah, yes, without being penalized, yeah. yeah. But there's a silver lining in all of this, actually. Uh, I mean, I personally am for consumption taxes. It's more direct. And that is, just like in America, where a long time ago they had a revolution because there was taxes without representation. Mm-hmm. Malaysians for a long time have had representation without taxation. So large number of Malaysians have been voting with no regard on how government is run because they're not paying for the running of the government per se. Mm-hmm. So when Malaysians have to pay for the government they have, they may start to look at the government they have and see how they spend and ask more questions. So in fact, there is a silver lining in all of this and that is you'll have a more demanding Malaysian because they're going to be standing outside Putrajaya and saying like, what are you doing with my tax money? Mm -hmm. You see, the budget is going to be tabled next Friday on October 11th. And as in every year, the budget tabling is preceded by the Auditor General's report which is basically a document of the litany of wastages and abuses. Yes. And so to take from where Prabha was coming from, you know, we as taxpayers need to be more vocal yeah. in uh, demanding answers, as we did with the whole 1MDB uh, shenanigans. Okay. Well, coming up, it looks like Datuk Sri Dr. Muhammad Saleh Kurat wants to join PKR. We'll find out what our panelists think about that next after the traffic update. And Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody on light.
on front page with me this morning, Propaganesan and Terence Fernandez. And it looks like Datuk Sri Dr. Muhammad Saleh Krua wants to join PKR. Um, what value does he bring to PKR and uh, why would he be an asset to PKR? Well, in PKR, it's all about what you can bring to the table. So it's standard operating procedure in the party under Anwar Ibrahim, and that is to bring anybody who can bring any kind of support or vote. And in the past, we have seen people like ex-MCA, Chua Jui Meng. We have seen even ex-corporate people like Santara Kumar, Edmund Santara Kumar. And then you have people all the time, people like Lajim Ukin joining from Sabah mm-hmm. before PRU 13. So the party always recruits and the ethos is as long as somebody gives something in terms of votes, we'll take them in. Right. Now, whether that's good in the long term, I don't know. Because mm, he brings a bit of baggage, doesn't he, from Amno? Terence? <laughs> yeah, well, that's saying something, isn't it? Let's not forget that Saleh Said Kroak was uh, MCMC Information Minister during the height of uh, MDB and he was very vocal in his defence of Najib the Dato' Sri Najib mm-hmm. administration with regards to MDB. Let's not forget that he was also the minister in charge when the anti-fake news bill was mooted. Honestly, I don't know what PKR is trying to do or what value they see in uh, our version of Comical Ali mm-hmm. in uh, bringing him uh, and bringing him on, uh, bringing him on board. Because don't forget that you know he comes from a long line of political stalwarts. His father was the uh, governor and also chief minister. His chief minister. His uh, cousin is in uh, in the ministry in, in Isanaria. And uh, and don't forget he lost by 4,000 votes yeah. in the last elections. So basically, he's, he, you know, which was supposed to be the family's constituency, the family yes. support base, he's squandered that off. So what can he bring mm-hmm. to the table? It's something that even, I know that even the PKR upper echelons are also questioning. Right? questioning. I mean, uh, mind you, Anwar did say, they're looking at it. They haven't, mm. you know, okayed it yet. Well, he's testing the waters. He's trying to see how people are mm. reacting towards it whether you accept or not. But the real point here, the real battle that's going on mm-hmm. is an issue of competition within the coalition. Mm-hmm. It's about how many MPs Basatu has and how many MPs PKR actually has right. under the leadership of Anwar Ibrahim. So maybe the 50-plus count may not actually be the actual count of support he has. So that's that competition. And the inclusion of this gentleman from Sabah also brings with him X number of MPs. Let's talk about credibility. Would switching parties help him regain that? I don't think so. No? I don't think... I think he has done enough damage to himself as a politician, mm-hmm. as an individual uh, during his tenure in uh, AMNO in Barisa National. So, you know, if, if, if uh, that is where PKR is headed to, to bring anybody that they can to help bring support into the party, I think they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Well... Malaysians have short-term memory. I mean, so one might say that if there was an emeritus position given to the new inclusion and respect that comes with it and a few years to add to it, Malaysians may have forgotten the past and just look at the immediate present. Hence the saying, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on us. And I think, you know, we are shamed. Okay. Or fool me always. (laughs) Fool me always. I like it that way. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, gents, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Of course, that was uh, Terence Fernandez, veteran journalist and columnist with The Star and Propaganda Chief Executive at Kuasa and columnist with The Malay Mail.